Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
Good morning. It is good to see you back with us. Won't you stand with, with me as we worship together? God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. God is seated this morning. It is good to see you this morning, and welcome back. Amen? Amen? It's good to be in the house of the Lord again and gathered together. And those who are at home and still watching online, we are thinking about you this morning, and we're uh, praying for you too, and we ask that uh, you continue to uh, take care of yourself and be safe in this time of worry of, of pandemic. So uh, let me get right to the announcements. Several things that you need to know. We are going to be having the Lord's Supper. We'll be doing it a little bit different. Uh, hopefully you have the Lord's Supper packet this morning, all right? If you don't, just raise your hand. One of the deacons will bring you one. They'll get you one. But you need to get it because we're not going to be passing it out during the time when we go to the Lord's Supper. Now also with this, there are two layers. There's a top layer, which is the cracker. And you want to pull the top layer off first because we're going to be doing that first, the cracker. And then you want to go to the second layer, which is the juice. So be careful. Uh, we've got odds on about 50% spillage this morning, we think, because uh, that top layer is real thin. It, you, you can really see it. There's two layers there. But, uh, and when you're finished, uh, uh, be sure just, you know, uh, guys, give it to your, your wives, ladies. You can put it in your purse as a souvenir. Uh, no, just, just be sure to throw them away when you leave this morning uh, at the conclusion of the service. But if you didn't get one, raise your hand. We'll get you one. Offering, uh, there's been offering plates as you've come in. There'll be offering plates as you go out the door. The deacons will have those. There's also an offering box that's on the, on the information table in the old fellowship hall here. You can just simply put your offering in there. If you're giving online, don't even worry about it because uh, that takes care of itself. Uh, you can still mail it in, do all the things that you've been doing uh, over these last weeks together. Also, uh, we are continuing to take up for Annie Armstrong. Uh, we 
uh, had our uh, international home missions emphasis uh, kind of get interrupted and we're still going to continue to take up for Annie Armstrong through the month of July to try to reach our goal. I think we're about $3,500, $3,600. Our goal was $6,500, so we're a, a, a right at halfway or a little bit better. So you can continue to give to that. You can go online and give or you can just uh, put it in the envelope uh, right on there, Annie Armstrong, so that we'll know. Also at the uh, service, we'll be at the, at the end of the service, we'll be having um, uh, on, an invitation time. It's going to work a little bit uh, uh, different, but not a whole lot different than normal. Uh, the altar is open if you want to come to the altar. If you want to come and speak and, and talk with me, that's fine. I'll have a mask. I'll put on a mask. There's some mask. If you want one, if you don't, that's fine. You're not going to offend me if you come and you don't have a mask on. Uh, I'll put one on just so that, that, that you don't have to worry about anything. Uh, and uh, feel free to come at the invitation uh, if the Lord so leads you. And that's, that's just the only real difference there. This morning we're also real excited that we get to show off uh, for the first time one of our first little ones. I'm going to ask Matthew and Lauren to come. And we've got Larson. This is his first Sunday back. He's four months old. So we want to recognize uh, Larson's first Sunday. And it's in uh, appropriate. He gets to be the first uh, TV baby, too, also. So, man. Doesn't it look like Matthew, though? I mean, how you doing, big guy? How you doing? How you doing? Oh, he's so sweet. Y'all give Larson a hand his first Sunday, huh? That a boy. Yeah, gonna be a linebacker for Alabama, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> North Florida. Oh, North Florida. All right. Well, let's have a word of prayer as we open up our worship today, and let's also lift up little Larson uh, and Matthew and Lauren as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your grace and your goodness, and that we can be back together. Lord, we celebrate not only being together, but we also celebrate Larson's first Sunday at church. And uh, it's been a long four months for him to get here, and, and we're just so glad that he's here this morning. And, and Lord, we want our children raised in your word, raised in your fellowship, raised in your goodness and your grace. And we just celebrate Matthew and Lauren's uh, commitment to you and commitment to, to Larson uh, for his uh, love to you, Jesus. And we just pray blessings upon them and just watch care over his life. Lord, we thank you for the offering that we uh, are able to give today. Though we're doing it a little different, our hearts are still lifted up to you in offering and in praise. Be with us as we worship. Just guide and lead us, Jesus, as we celebrate and uh, glorify you. In your name, Lord, amen. Stand with me again.
sing with us as we continue to worship here. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm
Father God, we come before you again this morning. We just thank you. We praise you that we can meet together again this morning. Lord, it's been such a, seems like uh, years since we've been able to meet together and to worship, Lord. And we just thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to gather in your house. Thank you for everyone being here today. I pray that uh, as we continue to worship, that you would continue to bless this service, Lord. And uh, we just praise you today. We want to tell you we love you. Thank you for loving us and dying for us. And we ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. You can be seated.
Amen. Thank you, Lauren. Ain't it good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Amen. It's good to be in the presence of God. Take your Bible and open, please, to Luke 15. And I want us to think about the love of the Father on this Father's Day Sunday. And as we come back and we're back together again, I want us to look at, I think, a beautiful picture in the Bible of God our Father. And uh, we'll begin reading in Luke 15, verse 11. We'll read through verse 32, and that'll give us the entirety of this story that we know, the story of the prodigal son. It's really the story of the sons. There are two sons that are mentioned here. And this is Jesus, and as he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country and there squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And that citizen sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was no longer to be fed, and, uh, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs did eat. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, What do these things mean? And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But that son was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father and said, Look, these many years I've served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you've never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting, it is right, to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost. And he is found. He was a rebel, a college dropout. He was a party boy. 
a carouser. He smoked, he drank hard liquor, he was a brawler. He was well known by the local police and the authorities. He had had more than one visit to the local jail. By his own admission, he was the classic example of the prodigal son. Yet today, he stands succeeding perhaps the most respected, admired, and famous of American preachers in this 20th century, Dr. Billy Graham. The name of that man, Franklin Graham, his son. Today, Franklin Graham not only uh, follows in his father's footsteps, but he himself has his own tremendous uh, benevolent ministry called the Samaritan Purse. We know it pretty much as Operation Shoebox. Uh, like his father, he preaches to thousands and thousands of people all over the world. But he will tell you that where he is today, the man he is today, is all because of one, an earthly father that loved him and always welcomed him back home no matter what he had done, but also because of a heavenly father that loved him and always welcomed him back in loving arms to come home to him, the Father in heaven. You know, this June 21st, 2020, our first Sunday back, what better way can we have a welcome back service on Father's Day than to think about, well, what some might would call the prodigal's father, the picture of our heavenly father. So let me say to you, welcome back home. And uh, if you are in any way prodigaled in your relationship with God, I want to say to you this morning that the good news is that you too can have a homecoming this Father's Day that Jesus tells us about the Heavenly Father. Now, lots of folks have looked at this 15th chapter, and it really is perhaps the greatest story that's ever been told. Many people say that really... As far as literature goes, there's nothing that's ever been written quite as powerful uh, as the story of the prodigal son. But there's other parts to this story as well in chapter 15. Some think it's three parables, but really it's one long parable into three parts. There's the story of the parable of the lost sheep, the one that left the, the group and he, how he left the, the 99 to seek out the one. It's also the parable of the lost silver. Uh, all that was done to get back that one little coin that had been lost. And then the parable of the lost sons. You know, this story in itself that we read this morning probably tells us as much, if not more, about God than any other story in all of the Bible. But it also tells us as much, if not more, about ourselves than any other one story in all of the Bible. And we won't even cover really the second son today. We could spend an entire Sunday just looking at him and who he represents. But I want to give you the good news, and that is this. The Heavenly Father always welcomes us back in his love. And I want to give you three things this morning to think about as we think about the Father and his love. Number one, I want you to think about what I want to call our Heavenly Father and how He still loves us even when we rebel. This story begins with a son 
who have been raised, from what we can tell, in an exceptional home, in a good home, in a loving home, and I believe a godly home. Everything in life that he could have wanted, everything in life that he could have hoped for by way of a, a home setting, he had. There was no real deficiency at all. But somehow, the root of ingratitude had bloomed in his heart, and it now has given fruit to the sin of rebellion. You know, we are living in a, in a time in America that I think is perhaps one of the most trying and difficult times of our nation. And when I look at it, and I look at God's Word, and I pray about what's going on, and I ask God uh, what's happening and why we are where we are and all the things that are happening, I think one of the things that God keeps laying on my heart about where we are as a nation is that we really are a nation of ingratitude. And one reason we have such rebellion throughout our land today is because we have failed to raise our children, we have failed as people ourselves to appreciate the blessings that we have here. And folks, if you travel outside of the borders of our nation, you will quickly discover how lucky we really are. The poorest of our poor live much better than the, the poor and the destitute of those in other places around our world. That's not to say that we don't need to care for those who have less or love them uh, uh, any less, but it is to say that we have been abundantly blessed as citizens to live in this free land and to be given what we've been given. And I think part of the issue that's going on in our nation today is there's a prodigal heart that's at work in our land. But this boy, he's tired of sowing corn in the country. He wants to go sow his wild oats now in the city. And in verse 12, he comes to his father and he says, Dad, I want you to give me the share of property that is coming to me, and I want you to divide out what is my share. Now think about this for a moment. The son had not earned a dime of his father's money. He had only been a consumer. He had never been a producer. Yet he now wants to share in that inheritance that was going to come to him one day that was promised to him. Uh, normally, the inheritance of an estate would not come until after when the father had died. But this son didn't want to wait that long. He didn't want to wait until that day. He wanted it now. His word was now. Now, you know, we live in a society. That's the word for our society. We want it when? Now. We want everything. I mean, you know, two-day shipping's not good enough. We want it next day. And, and, and truth be told, I think if uh, we were honest, we'd say we want whatever we order in the next hour, don't we? We want it now. Give it to me. Give it to me now. But really what he was saying was this. I wish you were dead, Dad. I, I want what's yours, and I want it for me. What you have is more important than you. And uh, what an insult it really was to this father, this loving father. 
But this wise father had an understanding and loving heart. Uh, I will have to admit, uh, had I asked my dad or told my dad that as a young boy, I can tell you my dad wouldn't have been as loving and understanding as, as this dad was. I think my dad would have said, oh, I got something for you, son. Turn around, and it would have been the backside of his boot. But this father, loving and kind, the boy had already had the far country in his heart a lot longer than just this moment. He had already left his dad, and he knew he was going to leave one way or the other. So the dad says, all right, take it. And it didn't take long for the boy to hit the trail, and he found what he was looking for, wine, women, and wickedness. He just ruined his life in what the Bible calls riotous living. Now keep in mind that nobody asked him to leave. No one twisted his arm. No one forced him out. No one made him do it. The reason that he rebelled was because he wanted to rebel. The fault lay with him. And by the way, if you and I find ourselves apart from God in our walk, if we find ourselves estranged from God in our Christian life, dear friend, it's not God's fault. It's not the world's fault. It is our fault. We choose to rebel against the Father. It always is that way. And if we, define, if we find ourselves in that position, it's we that need to do the fixing in that broken relationship. God loves us. God calls us. But let me say that God will never force his fellowship upon you. God will never force you to put your faith in him. He will call you. He will love you. He will receive you. He will accept you. But you and I are the ones that choose the relationship that we have with God. So let me ask you this morning before we move on to this first point. How's your walk with God? <clears throat> How's your relationship with God? Is it where it ought to be? Is there a time in your life where you love God more, knew God more, closer to God more than you are today? Friend, if that's true, then guess what? You're backslidden. You and I ought to be in an increasing, growing, deepening relationship with the Father day by day. You ought to know Him better and love Him more and be closer to Him today than you were, well, the last time we were together. It ought to be an increasing relationship. Our Heavenly Father still loves us even when we rebel. Now, number two, our Heavenly Father always accepts us when we return. This young man went off. He had fun. He had a blast while it lasted. And friend, let me say to you that sin can often be fun. Most of the time, sin is fun. Satan's a good advertiser. Uh, he's not advertising a, a false product when he says, go out and live in the pleasures of this world. You'll have a good time doing it. Matter of fact, sin often offers us a lot of worldly pleasures. It's not what is happening at that moment that ends up getting us. It's the what? After effects of sin. You see, the pleasures of sin always turn into what? A prison and a poison. What tasted good becomes quite bitter later on. 
Listen to what I, I was reading a, a passage in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verse 24 and 25, talking about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy listening to what Moses says. And the Bible says, the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses knew, yeah, I could have the easy life. I could have the things of this world. But to do so would be to live in sin. And yet while it would be good for a while, in the end, it would be a poison. In the end, it would be a prison. And, 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 and he just said, I'm not going to do that. In verse 13, we're told here that uh, the prodigal uh, wasted his possessions in prodigal living. That word means to blow, uh, to just squander. Well, what did he blow? What did he lose? His character, his reputation, his integrity, his influence, his health, and most of all, the most precious thing he had his relationship with his dad. His relationship with the father. He blew all those things. And then what happened to him? Well, look at verses 14 and 16. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And that citizen said, well, all right, I'll let you feed my pigs, but you're, you can't even eat what I'm feeding the pigs. You, you're still on your own. And he longed to be fed with basically the slop that the pigs were getting. And they wouldn't even give him that. This young man had fallen far. He had fallen fast. And he had hit what? Rock bottom. He had hit the bottom. And by the way, where's his friends? I mean, where are all the guys and, and gals that he partied with? He had all those long nights with and, and, and fun. Where are they? You don't read about them in the pig pen with him, do you? You don't read about them out there trying to help him scrounge up a meal. They had deserted him. They were truly fair-weathered friends. And young people, you need to listen. You can make friends with the worldly crowd all you want. But once they get from you what they want to get from you or out of you, you watch how quick they disappear and they turn their back on you and they leave you in the pig pen of life. Alone and at the bottom, this young boy makes the best decision he had ever made in his life. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottoms, uh, the rock bottom of life, to make the better decision. Sometimes the rock bottom of life is really a blessing in disguise. Verse 17 and 18, he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread to eat? They're, they're, he said, I don't ever remember them being hungry. And yet I perish here with hunger. And then he, here, here's his decision. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I want to tell you this is one of, the, I think, the most beautiful and most perfect pictures in all of the Bible of what true repentance really is. What you find here is three things happening in this young man. I wrote them out in my Bible years ago, and I often think about them when I see this passage. He had a change of mind. He said to himself, it stinks here, 
I'm going home. It's better there. It, life at home, life with the father's better. You know, that's all he wanted earlier on was what? To get out of the house, get away from dad. But now his thinking's changed. A second thing that changes is his heart or his will. What does he say? He says, I will get up. Not only is he thinking now, he's beginning to feel that change. I don't like this. This isn't good. I'm going to be different. You know, there's something inside of me motivating me, his will, his heart. But there's a third part, and this is key. He made a change of body. He got up physically. He walked the miles back home. He, he went from the far country back to his country. He went from the pig pen back to his parents' house. Physically, he had to do it. We don't know how long the journey was or how many miles, but he did it. And dear friend, that's what it takes when we are at rock bottom and we say, you know, I want to be in that better place. I want to be in that heavenly place in that relationship with the Father. We've got to come to that full range of repentance. Now let me tell you something. Don't miss this, but did you see who didn't disappear on the boy? All his friends were gone. All his party mates were gone. But who was still there? The Father. Who was the one who was told, I'd rather you be dead and I'd rather have what you have than have you? the father but yet the father was still there dear friend i want to tell you i don't carry i don't care how hard or how bad you hurt god or how bad or how far you've rebelled against god god's still there god still loves you god doesn't give up on you god doesn't quit on you and our heavenly father always accepts us when we return and third our Heavenly Father forgives us when we come back in full repentance. Verse 19 and 20, he comes to the Father and he says, Dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. Here it is. This rebellious son came back just as he was. He hadn't had time to bathe. He didn't have the money to bathe. He didn't have any place to bathe. He didn't have the money to change his clothes. He couldn't shave. He could barely feed himself. He had had anything to eat at all. And I want to tell you, when you read this, it just melts your heart. It ought to just melt your heart. If, you, if, you, if it doesn't melt your heart, then you got something wrong with your heart. And you see this dad who sees his son. He sees his son afar off. You know why the dad saw the son afar off? Because the dad was looking. I believe every day the dad would walk to the end of the road where the mailbox was at. He'd walk down and he would take a look out into the far countries looking for his son. Perhaps his dad, I, I can imagine him staying there from sun up to sundown. Hoping, oh, hoping, oh, hoping that perhaps today this would be the day. Oh, I can imagine how the servants would have talked. He's out there again. Look at him. Waiting on that old sorry, no good son of his to come home. He's out there praying again for his boy. 
and the father sees him. And you know what the father does? The father says, that's my boy. And the Bible says he, he, he girded up his, his robe and he took off running. Uh, you know he girded up his robe because you couldn't run in a robe. Do you know that uh, Middle Eastern uh, men, particularly in this day, they never would pull up the robe because it was, it was considered a humiliation to show someone's legs. It was a humiliating thing. Do you know this father didn't care to be humiliated for the son? And he runs to the son. It didn't, it didn't matter that it was undignified for an older man to run or to show his legs. And he falls on him and he kisses his neck. That, the, the, in the Greek there, it literally means to smother him in kisses. Can you imagine? Here's that boy, dirty, filthy, smelly. But dad couldn't taste the, the dirt. Dad couldn't smell the, the filth. Dad didn't think about the stink. All he knew was his boy was home. And he kept on kissing him. The boy's trying to talk. And the boy can't even get the words out because the father just telling him how much he loves him. He doesn't even really want to listen to this, his plea of forgiveness. He, you know, he's like, yeah, 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 I get all that. You're home. I love you. Let me tell you something, dear friend. A sinner may go to hell unsaved, but there will never be a sinner that goes to hell unloved. The son says, Dad, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned before you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. The father said, don't you think anything more about it? He says to the servants, go get the best robe, put it on him, get the ring on his hand and put shoes on his feet. That's interesting. Do you know who the best robe would have belonged to? The dad. Go get my robe. Clothe him in my robe. You come back to God as a prodigal. You come in repentance. God says, you get my righteousness and I'm going to clothe you with my robe of righteousness. God, the, the father says, go get my ring. Put it on his hand. Do you know what that means? In that day, that ring would have been the family seal. It would have basically been the checking account, debit card, or the credit card. He could buy, he could trade, he could transact in the name of the Father because he had the ring of his dad. And then he said, go get him shoes. In that day, slaves wouldn't wear shoes. Only those who were of money, or had family and who were free would, would, wear, would wear shoes. He's free. He's my boy. Get him shoes. That's what God does to us when we come back. When we come to God out of our misery, when we look to him, he says, here's my mercy. God says, welcome home. God says, I love you. Every word in verse 20 is a beautiful, precious word of God's love. That word saw speaks of the eyes of forgiveness. That word compassion speaks of the heart of forgiveness. That word ran speaks of the feet of forgiveness. That word fail speaks of the arms of forgiveness. That word kiss speaks of the lips of forgiveness. This boy was home. He was forgiven. 
He was cleansed. He was whole. Maybe you have been living that prodigal life. Maybe these weeks away you just kind of have drifted. But God says you can come back. Let me give you three lessons in closing that Jesus wants you and I to never forget that come from this story. No matter how far away you've gone, you can come back. No matter how far out you've gone, you can come in. No matter how far down you've gone, you can come up. Because, listen, the Father loves you. Do you know that? Do you know that God loves you? This morning we get to to remember that love. This morning we get to reconnect with God in that love. By this, the Lord's Supper. It's God's way of telling us He loves us. For He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. This Lord's Supper is for believers, for those who have given their heart to God. If you're not a Christian this morning, we just simply ask that you uh, enjoy the service, this part of it, uh, as we witness to you. But there is a part that is for you, and that is the invitation that we'll give in just a moment, where you can come and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you too be part of the family of God. But as we think about what the Bible tells us, in Luke we began to read of that night that Jesus gave the Lord's Supper. It's the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And as it was drawing near, he told the disciples and the chief priests and scribes that were seeking to put him to death to go and to make things ready. Satan had entered into Judas, who's called Iscariot, who was one of the number of the twelve. And he went away and he conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray them. And they were glad and they agreed to give him money. And so he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him in the absence of the crowd. And then that moment, that day of unleavened bread came, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And so Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, you have entered a city. A man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters. And tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper furnished room. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. I tell you from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to them and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after he had eaten. And he said, This cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant 
in my blood. Would you pray with me this morning? Our gracious Heavenly Father, this morning we pray that our hearts, our minds are ready. We've been out of your worship uh, as a family for some time now. And Lord, we can all become that prodigal that just drifts away from your love and your grace. And this morning, Father, we're so very thankful that you are a God that welcomes us back. No matter how far we've wandered, how far we've strayed, how deep in sin we perhaps have gotten, you always welcome us back. Lord, this morning we pray for those that are watching, uh, those that are here, maybe one who doesn't know you, that through this witness they can see your great love, not only for, for us, your children, but the great love you have for them. And that in the giving of this Lord's Supper and receiving of this communion, Lord, they too now know that they need to give their heart to you, Jesus. And in a moment when we have the invitation and that altar is open, they will respond either here or they're watching at home, give their heart to you. But Lord, write on our heart this morning the beauty of your love and your grace in this moment. Paul tells us that on that night that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said that this bread is my body which is broken for you. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night in which he took, uh, was portrayed took the bread. And when he had given thanks he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Paul tells us that he took the cup. Jesus said, I can't wait to eat this with you again. He said, with fervent desire, I look to do this again. And as we set a place for Jesus in the bread, we also pour the cup. And this is his cup. That one day he will take it with us. But until that day, we take our cup. That cup that he poured out, his body, his shed blood. And as Paul says, in the same way he took that cup after the supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come now at this time of invitation that we had talked about. We come to this moment where, Lord, perhaps we need to come to the altar of our heart, the altar here in the fellowship of the church, and we just pour out those things in our life that need to be given again to you, a heart, a mind, and a body of repentance. Lord, maybe someone here today says, I need you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. And I want to come and I want to pray with the pastor. And 
And, and Jesus asked you to be my Lord and Savior. And we here today get a chance to do that in the family of God. Whatever decision might need to be made, now is the time. And Lord, as we stand, let your will be done. In your name we pray. Would you stand, please? sadness from wherever you've been come broken hearted let the rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come kneel earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal so lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh, There's hope for the hopeless and all those who strayed. Come sit at the table and come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens and lay down your shame. And all who are broken, lift up your face.
so good. Come as you are. He loves you and he brings you and he welcomes you home. God bless you this morning. The Bible says that on a night that they took the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn as they went out. And we have one, a departing hymn with you. God bless you. Enjoy. Lift up your voice and bump some elbows as you go out. Don't hug, just bump. All right. God bless you. The name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and 